0: Okay, Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Council Bears. Present. Council Falco.
1: Present.
0: Vice President Knight. Present. Council Marks. Present. Council Morrell. Present. Council Scarpelli. Council Scarpelli, I didn't hear you. Sorry. President Carviello
2: Present. Um, okay, so we, we're going to start with... Um, the law department, and we have uh, Solicitor uh, Scanlan here. Okay. Good evening, Kim. Again.
3: Good evening, Mr. President, members of the City Council. Kimberly Scanlon, City back.
2: Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> okay, uh, what, what, what we've been done with the other departments is we're going to read the uh, the expenses and expenditures, and we'll ask questions after each group. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, personnel expenses, uh, permanence, one hundred seventy-eight thousand four hundred eighty-four dollars. Reduction of thirty percent. Salaries, <coughs> salaries, part-time, twenty-five thousand dollars. <laughs> new item. Stipend. Uh, hearing uh, officer code violations, zero. One hundred percent reduction. Stipends, records of access officer. $5,000, down 39.3%. Stipend, confidential, $35,001, new item. Fringe longevity, no. $2,575, no change. Fringe sick leave, $1,325, no change. Total personnel expenses, $215,885, a reduction of 22.1%. Questions on personnel expenses? Um, Mr. President? Vice President Knight.
4: Um, It appears that this year's upcoming fiscal year budget is lacking an assistant city solicitor. Can we uh, have an explanation as to uh, why that cut was made?
3: Look, ideally, I would like two assistants. Most communities around us have at least two or more. Um, I'm operating within, you know, the, within the current budget, within the numbers that we have. And frankly, it's not fiscally wise to rather than increase the budget by 160,000 or more to cover two interns, just to have that, you know, two interns and, and K.P. Law on the side. It's cheaper. Okay.
2: Um,
4: Councilor Bares. Oh, I'm sorry, just where does KP Law fall on this?
3: It's not within the personnel expenses, um, it would be within the ordinary expenses.
5: Uh, Contract of legal services. Correct. Thank you.
2: You're welcome. Councilor Biss.
5: Um Similar, I, I hear you there, um, would you have was your initial request to have a funded city solicitor position and then after looking at budget considerations you chose this alternative path?
3: There were initial um, conversations in the beginning to see what would work best and, uh, again, honestly we, you know, operating within the confines of fiscal responsibility, it's, it's quite cheap in this way. One won't cut it for me, I'll tell you that right now. One assistant will not cover it for me, and I don't have the time to train, and it has to be the right person. Historically, there's a reason why the same employees under my predecessor had lasted for so long. It's because we work well together, and I can't just have anyone coming in here and into my office. It's my office, and I I'm telling you right now, I, one person will not cut it for me right now.
5: Yeah, and I did mean to say at the top, I know you've been shouldering an incredible amount of work over the past 18 months. Thank um, you. <laughs> I know that I personally have sent you quite a bit of that work. Um, so I want uh, to um, thank you for that.
3: Thank you for the accolades council.
5: And um, so, so it's basically this arrangement will accomplish more work than it would to maintain one city solicitor position. And that's what's needed because of the volume of work in the office.
3: Yes, yeah, so at this time we can revisit this topic, of course, next year, but for right now, this works. Why try to fix something that's not broken?
5: Yep. Yeah. and um, my two other questions are just, I know it's moving from an administrative <coughs> assistant to an office manager. Is that mainly a, a title change or is there a change in responsibilities?
3: It was a, it, well, it's a calf change, but it was done last year. No, the year before, the end of 2019. Okay. My yeah. office
5: manager was reclassed. And then for the legal intern, have you had any legal interns this year or is that a new position?
3: I haven't. Historically, we have, um, but that would be a new position, or at least a new line item.
5: Great. Um, those are my questions, and thank you
2: again, Kim.
6: Thank you. Councilor Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, Kim, thank you very much for your hard work. Um, thank you. You've always been there when I've had questions, and I, I appreciate your, your timeliness and your responses. I know that you're very busy, uh, so I thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, similar to uh, Councilor Beer's question regarding the office manager. So, is that because I know it wasn't funded last year, so is that a new is that a new CAF or does that CAF exist? No, it already exists. It does exist. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you for that. And You're I had a question about the. Let's see, it was the uh, sa- salaries part time. what is that again? That's the twenty five thousand dollars. That would be for the interns. The interns, okay. Mm-hmm. And you said that that setup does work for you, or does not work? The, well, I, what
3: I said was that we haven't had um, a paid intern line item within the budget before. Okay. Historically, yes, inter- I, who doesn't want to learn? And really, I, I, you know, it, I, for me personally, hands-on training, a hands-on approach is always best. Mm-hmm. For law students, um, just to come into, you know, with the nuances and intricacies of municipal law in itself, because frankly, there's a lot of areas, as this council knows um and i think in conjunction you know with studies ideally at least i would like to hire law students legal interns um to be able to support
6: what you know what i want my office to look like do you you feel that it slows down the process any any so i know with interns usually you know they're only there for a certain period of time then you're training them and then that the next person leaves and they try and I mean, me is that you feel like
3: no, i understand that and, and and honestly for what i need right now is you know to just quickly find out something that you know that they can you know run with one particular item at a time um or as you know someone new coming in and a, a full-time employee coming in i i wouldn't have the time to train them and unless they had a very specified knowledge of what i need it, it just wouldn't work
6: thank you and as far as uh, tell us a little bit about the 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 stipend hearing officer code violation so that's uh let's see that's zero now right correct that's
3: yeah so this was added to my budget at least on paper years ago when anthony santoro i believe was the assistant city solicitor and he was doing the hearing appeals i'm 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 dating myself this is over 10 years ago (laughs) but needless to say that was somehow included but it was never paid through my actual law department budget um so what happened there was we rightfully transmitted to the appropriate person who is performing the hearing appeals and parking appeals.
6: Okay. And as far as the stipend uh, records access officer, that looks like it went down
3: 39%. Yeah. So I, again, I, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, in previous um, budgets, that was included with the confidential stipend,
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, which the confidential stipend is actually is separate and apart from the... Um, from the records access officer stipend. so And it goes to someone separate. It goes to my office manager. So what happened here is we just separated it out to to clarify
6: that. So does the office manager receive the stipend for the records access officer in the the confidential? No, I do. You get that. My office
3: manager receives a confidential stipend. Okay.
6: And as far as the, that $5,000, so is that for like freedom, is that for freedom of information request type stuff or is that for just... It exactly. Well,
3: yeah, records requests, responses, appeals okay. to the um, Public Records Division,
6: mm-hmm. all that jazz. It is, does $5,000 cover that for the year?
3: Yes, and actually, um, what I had broached with the administration, and, and they're amenable to it, I won't we'll put words mm-hmm. in your mouth, Dave, but um, there's certain. Um, Computerization. There's certain programs that will actually speed up the process because you can just type or you know type in um, the date, for example, stuff like that, and it will generate an auto response. Yep. So to just speed that up along, um, I have requested and they have agreed to look into funding
6: for that. Did you know how much? Do you know how much that would uh, cost? At the top it's of, of my costly. head, it's
7: very cost effective for what it
6: does. I think.
8: Yeah, um, a little grant maybe.
7: Five thousand a year total all in okay and what that'll do uh so the the one that i've previously implemented in a different scenario um it was a a software called next request they're all very similar this one would allow so say counselor falco was looking for the trash contract and kim will tell you that's always going to be one of the common public records requests that comes up you type in trash contract it will come up automatically as a previous request so it'll streamline things for the requester as long as workflow for kim and her team um that's certainly one of the things that and just kind of expanded and Kim and I have spent a lot of time kind of talking about the structure and kind of workflow and work management uh, to try to make sure that she has every, exactly what she needs in order to do that um some of these legal interns they're not interns in the traditional sense if you get a senior law student who has you know taken certain requirements in certain classes they can actually appear in court on behalf of municipalities in the Commonwealth um so it's it's a real value add to that uh and i'll tell you as, as a formal no one does better legal research than a law intern they're extremely thorough uh they they, they run through walls on this stuff so it's, it's a really good value add for any we would do that if we had 50 attorneys on staff we'd still have legal interns here
6: now, i understand the whole intern the piece i just i just i know that you're you know being kind of a, a one-person office right now one woman show <laughs> and, you know i know you're limited at a time i mean we call we call you with requests and questions um i know that you know i feel like this council has been uh very uh, you know effective at, at writing new ordinances meeting with different uh, legal matters and you know you have to you have to come to all those meetings i would
3: like to think i helped a lot in those <laughs> you should. absolutely
6: absolutely absolutely so, so you've been at many of those meetings so i know your time is you know really it's critical and I just want to make sure that use, the use of interns is great, but, you know, if you have to train someone every six months, I don't know how long that takes. I'm not in your office, but I, I just, just want to make sure that I, it I get was, is, it, is it worth it to hire an assistant solicitor with the combination of this and, you know, some of the KP law money. I mean, you know, that's just, these are questions that I have, um, you know, you're in the role every day, so you know better than anyone, but that's, that's why I'm asking these
1: questions.
3: No, I, I understand. Okay. I do. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Mr. President? Yes, thank uh, you. Uh, Council Uh Thank you, Mr. President. And I too want to thank uh, Kim Scanlon. Um, you know, for a number of years, we've always had an Assistant City Solicitor, whether it was Kim Scanlon or prior to it was Anthony Santoro and uh, another very capable uh, attorney in this community uh, who's still around the city. So I guess uh, I'm hoping this will work out for you, because I think the Assistant City Solicitor has always played a vital role Uh, in helping your office. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, with this new, uh, having uh, these interns will hopefully provide you the same um, feeling of having assistance there that the uh, Assistant City Solicitor did. Uh, Kim, when were you officially appointed to your position?
3: Uh, Well, I believe it was stated in writing on March 5th but I, I i'll be honest i don't have an appointment letter
1: so march 5th so so you received an official appointment letter stating that you were being appointed to the city solicitor as city no solicitor. i was notified
3: at the same time i believe that excuse me this council was notified on march 5th
1: okay um were you officially sworn in
3: not as city solicitor now i was sworn okay. in as acting but not as
1: okay permanent and uh, this is not probably yet. this is probably a question then to uh, Mr. Rodriguez. Uh, when will uh, actually the formal swearing-in take place?
7: Uh, we, we can do that whenever. I, a formal swearing-in is not something I, I was understood was required um, for this So position. a swearing-in
1: is not required. I, I was I was never
7: sworn in for my position. I don't know if that's something that's that's a common practice in this municipality. We can swear in at any time. Okay. Sorry.
1: Yeah, I, I, I thought it was always a formal process uh, and I'm not sure for what position, yeah. but uh, for the city solicitor, it was always a, always a sure. formal swearing in. So if you can check into that, I think sure. it'd be appropriate to make sure that's um, dealt with. Uh, Mr. President, my other questions are for ordinary expense. So at this time, I will yield. Okay. Uh, any, more, any more questions on um, uh, personal expenses?
2: I'm oh, sorry. Council, uh, Councilor Scott
9: Thank you. Uh, Kim again. Thank you so much. I know that how much work you do, but I'm going to be honest with you. Like I said, I have a different perspective working in a municipality. Mm -hmm. With the city, the size and what we want to do and how we want to grow. I know you're being a good team player and saying that, you know, I don't need another person. Neighbor communities have four attorneys in an office, city solicitor's office. The OCD uh, department has their own attorney. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're talking about whether the communities are growing. You, I, I don't, I don't wanna insult you, but I think we need to be realistic and try to figure out as we're moving forward. We, we saw us tonight, this body's struggling with legal, legal issues and legal questions. And not just for issues we're talking about today, but I think every day we have a meeting, we have an issue. And I can't believe that it's not the same in every other department. And I can't believe that KP Law is gonna return a call when there's, a, when there's an issue and, and with a zoning issue or there's an issue with development and you're not available and KP Law is not gonna answer that back. I just think it's, with the city of this size, I, I find it hard to believe that we're not entertaining a, a, a stronger legal team. So, you know, I'd I, you know, I, 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 really like to see, you know, what we can do to, to is this all we're paying KP Law if we can? Is this what the I know we talked about a stipend of sixty thousand in the past? It was five thousand a month, correct? To be a,
7: five thousand a month. So what we'll actually talk about a little bit on Saturdays. Okay. So but- one of one of the things, just to be clear, so our labor council, which was previously paid for out of the executive, he moved on. He went to an in-house position somewhere else. Yep. So we're actually we're gonna fold that in on temporary at least a temporary basis with KP yep. just to keep things going. So okay. that retainer will go up a little <laughs> bit. So we match that retainer for the year. We right. wanted to keep it ex- almost exactly the same as to what an assistant solicitor would do, inclusive of some of the labor employment costs. So you'll see that cost go down on the executive side. Right. I,
9: I know it's not sustainable, <clears throat> Mr. Rodriguez. I know it's it's not- not- with the with the federal money that's coming in, I know that there's going to be a way, especially with, with the legal, legal ramifications, where to spend this money. I'm sure this falls on somebody, and that's a full load itself. So if we talked about maybe. Using some of that funding, I know it's still there's still pending. Some things are still pending. Have has there been thought of maybe using that funding to bring in another attorney that can work with not just that funding mechanism, but also um, also working with some of Kim's responsibilities. Excuse me, uh, Attorney Scanlon's responsibilities. And then, like like Miss says, that the idea of really having that person and training them. But you, we can't move forward unless you have an opportunity to start training somebody sometime. So that's what uh, that's my philosophy what I'm trying to say is there's got to be is there a way that we can look to add to this office is it you know I know that the budget's pretty flat and I understand that you know it's it's gone to other places but is there a possibility? We have not had
7: any discussions about using it. Yeah. It's not my understanding, and I'll defer to, to finance and to yep. Alicia on this point about eligibility, that okay. attorneys at this cost, unless they're directly related to a COVID response, would be eligible for that funding. That's no, kind of I, how we're I, focused, I can, so. so. It's a fair thought to to, to look no. into if we're able to- And I'm not trying to that. be
9: difficult. So. i just, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm also looking at this and saying, $117,000, no disrespect to you, but hey boy, is there, uh, what is a what's a comparable? Like I, I, said this the other day at the meeting. When you have great employees that do great things here and carry uh, an enormous load, and with good faith, are we are we looking at that that line and saying is 117 fair? Is it something that we looked into? Is it have you have you looked at neighboring communities? I'd like to see is is just, just for just for um, understanding. The process and where what I'm I'm talking about a licensed attorney who's gone through the process who's been assistant city solicitor is now the act the city solicitor and that I, I believe it's unless I'm wrong I'm reading 117,000 is uh, your salary I just think that you know is there a way that uh, we can get a just an analysis from neighboring communities to do that part of the motion to see what neighboring communities are paying their city solicitors. Because again, I only bring this up for the fact that it's gonna get to a point where if we don't start keeping the people that are taking care of us, and if it's only, you know, if there's right now, if there's a way to figure out a way to earn some some of the income that you deserve, that I don't wanna see Kim leave just like we have other people leaving. And I don't want that. So, you know, and I'm going to say this, I've said it the other day at the meeting, I'm going to say this where I think there is a low number when it comes to salary. So um, again, I don't want to put anybody in the hot seat and I apologize for bringing it up and blindsiding everybody. But when I saw that, it just, it just kicks me. I'm, you know, uh, I know what you do. So I think we need to to at least get an an analysis to see what neighboring communities are paying their city solicitors. Thank
3: Thank you, council.
9: Thank you. Mr. Clerk, you get that? Mr. President, I have it. I have it in
0: the body of the committee report and I'll send it to uh, Director Nunley Benjamin and Chief of Staff Rodriguez after the meeting.
2: Thank you. Any further questions on uh, personal expenses? Okay, moving on, ordinary expenses. Repair and maintenance of office equipment, $3,500, no change. Contract legal services, $81,600, uh, new item. Professional services other eleven hundred dollars, no change. Printing, sixteen hundred dollars, no change. Office supplies, fifteen hundred dollars, no change. Dues for currency, six hundred dollars, no change. Subscriptions and publications, ten thousand, no change. Other expenses, fifteen hundred, no change. Claims under thousand dollars, fifty thousand, no change. Claims over a, a thousand, one hundred thousand, up thirty-three point three percent. Claims, ten thousand new item. Total ordinary expenses, two hundred sixty-one thousand four hundred dollars, up eighty point five percent. Questions on ordinary expenses. Vice President Knight,
4: you know, in looking at this contracted legal services line item. Um, We've all talked about Copeland and page KP law um, and the role that they play in this community. And I, I for one feel as though we're making too much of an investment outside of this community. We're contracting out too much work, $81,000 in the law department, $230,000 in the DPW for 24 cuts for people to mow the lawn, quarter of a million dollars to mow the lawn. We have a DPW that do that. We're seeing, you know, $350,000 $350,000 um, in increasing the creation of a new department for a parking department. Um, but then we have the law department that's made up of one attorney and office manager and an intern. Um, we are investing almost half of the total amount of funds in this department's personnel budget with contractual legal services. We have $81,000 in contracted legal services for lawyers, and we have 171000 in, exp- in the about in expenses. Right? It's almost half. Um, so, you know, I, I really think that the way that we're investing in our, our budget right now is backwards. We're not investing in medicine. We're investing in a race to the bottom. We're investing in private contractors. We're subcontracting out city services and it's not working. Um, if, you, if you look around you, you'll see that it's not working just by the condition of our streets, roads, and the plumminess of our community. Um, you know, so with that being said, Mr. President, um, you know, I, I've, I've always had a problem with this, this contracted legal services line item in the budget since it was implemented last year. Um, I feel as though, you know, we have KP law. KP law doesn't work for the city of Medford. They don't work for the city council. They said it in a meeting. We work for the mayor. That's what we work for. We're the mayor's, we're the mayor's lawyers, we're not the city's lawyers. Their interests aren't the city of Medford. We've always had a law department that did one thing really, really, really well. That was put Medford first. And I want to continue that. I think Kim has come from that culture where we put Medford first. And We need to give her the tools to grow some homegrown talent, so that we can continue to have a law department that has integrity, that works for the city of Medford, and that puts Medford first. Um, So I see no problem, Mr. President, making a recommendation to reduce 5302 by $81,600, and increasing line item 5110 by that same figure, um, moving that funding out of contractual services and back into personnel expenses, and I'd offer that.
0: M- Mr. Mr. Vice President, I'm sorry, the uh, the video kicked out for a second. Can you repeat the, the changes you want to make, please? I'd
4: uh, recommend a reduction in line item 5302 in the amount of $81,600. Okay, hang on. On
0: hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. In reduction in what line? I'm sorry, sir. Uh,
4: contraction legal, contract legal services, uh, 5302. By how much? Uh, the total line item,
0: $81,600. Okay. And then an increase somewhere else, did you say?
4: An increase in uh, account number
0: 5111. By the corresponding amount? Yes, sir. Thank you. Sorry for the delay.
6: of information uh, tonight so you moving that to are you suggesting move that to part-time salaries or full-time
4: i do believe in the past uh, that uh, uh, we've had assistant city solicitor part-time no no well if we can move it to full-time and that's
6: fine too thank you okay uh so amended,
5: amended. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Did um, I hear a disagree- second from Councillor Falco on that one? Correct. Yes. I don't disagree with Councillor Knight, but I am hearing from Solicitor Scanlon that that may not be sufficient for the volume of work in the office this upcoming year. So um, I don't know. I, I'd be encouraged to see you come back in the future budget with the proposal for in-house services versus contracted services. Um, it seems like that may not be the conditions we're under this year. So that's, I just want to put that out there. Thank you. President, uh, I for one would always welcome a supplemental
4: uh, appropriation request um, midterm as well. Um, should, you know, we have the ability to expand the office to uh, yet another person.
2: Council uh, Marx.
1: Mr. President, do we have an expenditure amount for KP law? For this fiscal year to date, Uh, year to date, I'm not sure, but I can get it for you, Alicia. Would you have that number?
8: Uh, I can run it. Hold on a second, please. So when I pull up KP Law and I pull up uh, the batch we did um, in March 20, March 10, 2021, we paid, and this is between last year and this year, 121076.66. 121076.66. And
1: that, Kim, uh, um, Alicia, that was as of March, correct? So, that was paid in March. So does it include, it doesn't include March then?
8: That was paid for several different, so that was paid for April, May, April 2020, May 2020, June 2020, August 2020, July, September, October, November, December, and January
1: 2021. So what months are we missing, Alicia? Uh, February, March, April, May. February, March, April, May. May. So we're missing four months. So, so the number you gave us, one hundred twenty-one thousand, is for two thirds of the fiscal year. Well,
8: it's three months of last year in there.
1: So it's not there. So three months. So it's a it's mm-hmm. three quarters of the fiscal year. Yep. Okay. Uh, and based on what we're spending per quarter, is it fair to say that we, we're probably looking at another 30 odd thousand dollars $35,000? Um, I believe so. I'm just going to look up the
8: PO because we have a PO PL in place for that.
1: Right. So, so potentially we're looking at $150,000 paid out to KP law. Alicia, was that money budgeted or? Yeah, uh,
8: there's, we, a, there's a yeah, there's it's budgeted. There's a PO, but well, not all of it, because you'll see year-end transfer. I'm going to transfer money from her salaries account, which is coming next week in the year-end transfers, to ordinary to cover this.
1: Right. So, so we're we're, we're transferring money that we were told that this contract was for how much? Fifty thousand. 60, by, so 60000 so the current agreement is 5000 So $60,000. agreed. so that
7: the total costs include all outside mitigation services as well, which are directed by the department.
1: Right, so so we, we were sold the bill of goods that we were looking at, about 60000 for KP. We're up uh, under what I'm figuring out is about $150,000. And uh, does this also include, which I saw in some of the reports that Vice President Knight asked for, uh pandemic relief monies uh, i also saw kp law listed uh is this dollar amount include the monies that we received for pandemic relief
8: no they did do some COVID uh legal consulting but we did not pay that out of out of cares or or, or I, don't, I don't believe we did. oh if we did we might have we might have paid a little bit very little very small amount for uh COVID cares but the majority of it is not a lot of it uh was for the 40b and and some other things
1: Right. So the figure you gave me doesn't include the COVID care stuff.
8: It does. It, it, can, it has every number that everything we paid them, I gave you the total.
1: Okay, so so whether it was, we only appropriated 60,000 in the budget. Yep. the money was taken from the CARES Act, and Correct. the rest, you are going to be asking for a line item transfer from uh, salaries from the law. For, yes.
7: Okay. And um, yeah, there also was an amount from the OCD professional services line that was used uh, for. So, the, what for, was that line again? You know, uh, OCD has a professional services line uh, that was used for the 40D uh, defense. And
1: it was the money appropriated from that line? It was already or? in there.
7: Yeah, it's, it's, it was already in
1: that line. It was, it
7: already, was already in, in there. The
1: money existed in that line already. Okay. And, and what amount existed in that line? Um, I'm actually, a memo was sent to you guys a little while ago uh, that outlines all the costs
7: on that. So yeah, the memo that was sent to the clerk earlier today regarding 40Bs outlines those costs. That amount was the what was paid. For. You, don't, you don't know what so it was? I don't know. Not the top of my head. I think it's about $30,000.
1: $30,000, <coughs> I want to say. And that was 40B projects? This guy was directly related to 40B. Yep. And that number is included, uh, Alicia, in this 121,000 that you gave us? Yep, 40B and the OCD, yes. Yeah, all of it. That's all of what we paid KP, yes. Right. So, so I think uh, some of what I think what I'm trying to get at is I, I agree with Vice President Knight um, and uh, Council of Beers and the rest of the council that I, I think we have to take a look at, uh, you know, these outside vendors. And in particular, um, I, I, you know, would say that KP I think at, at first uh, added a lot to this community and many meetings they attend, they had experts in the field that we were looking for and, I found it to be very helpful, to be quite honest with you. And that seemed to wane off over the last year. Um, and I've seen very little out of KP law and uh, I'm sure the administration's keeping them busy, but uh, I have seen uh, less and less from them and more from our city solicitor uh, in her office. And uh, I, as one member would prefer to see more money put into our city solicitor's office than hiring outside contractors. Um, and, um, any of these claims that, and this may be a question for Kim, any of the claims over or under 1,000, um, o- over under under 1,000 as KP Law are involved with?
3: You're involved in, um, it, it's hard to say because the over and under 1,000 um, generally covers a claim until it's paid, right? So they are working currently on um, claims that have currently entered into litigation but have not yet been resolved.
1: Right. So, so they're billing us for working on these particular claims that typically were done by the law office, correct? I mean, it's always been handled by your predecessor, um, yourself. Um, so now we're hiring an outside company to come in and adjudicate some of these claims.
3: Well, the attorneys, that would change the attorney's fees that a charge, obviously I wouldn't be charging attorney's fees. I work for the city, um, but right. with respect to the claim itself, no, that that amount would stay the same, regardless of whether or not I was representing them or a KP law, if, right, or if a, a claim was also to KP no, law. I, I
1: understand it, but now we're paying an outside entity for their involvement, where before it was always handled in-house, correct?
3: For the most part, correct. My office has outsourced um, claims in the past, but not on a consistent basis. Obviously, we've never had KP law consistently throughout the year. Uh, I
1: I appreciate that. And Mm -hmm. just uh, my last question is uh, the reason for claims over 1,000 increasing uh, by uh,
3: 33.3%? I'm happy you asked me that question. So, historically, the the law department office was probably doubled, if not tripled, in budget. And that has decreased throughout the years and that's fine. $75,000 might seem like a lot of money. If my office, which I've seen recently, so brace yourselves because you're going to be seeing me a lot in the summer (laughs) for claims over and rightfully so. If if you have a water and sewer claim, let's say I have two of them, those costs to to clean up a a sewer backup can cost anywhere between five to $25,000. $75,000 seems like a lot until I'm hit with two or three claims right in the beginning of a fiscal year and then, what do I do for the rest of the claims? For the rest of the claimants, I have to tell them to wait until the next fiscal year for my budget to be repleted. It's ridiculous. Right. So, so you
1: said 75, your, your budget is 100,000, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, she's already spent
8: a- through the chair. She's already yep. spent over uh, 75. She's at 75 75,681.35 right now. So if she even tries, she's already over what? The 75,000 she was awarded.
1: Okay. Um, and do we have any claims over a 1000 that we should be aware of, any major claims? that should
3: read as $2,500. Um, claims over 2500 Yeah, we have a lot. I have
1: a lot. A- anything that we should be aware of? I mean, are there any major claims lingering out there that...
3: There are a few water and sewer claims that I've received them um, within the past few months that you will hear about over the semio, um, because I'll need your permission to pay them.
1: Okay. And do you think they'll be covered under what we have? Uh, for next fiscal year? We're, we're looking at next fiscal year. I right? hope
3: so. I mean, uh, historically, I've, I've been operating under uh, 75 uh, claims over. So, or no, I'm sorry, 50 for claims over. So, yes, it would be helpful. Okay. And yes, I think it would, it, 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 it certainly couldn't hurt. I'll say that.
1: Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Mr.
6: thank you, Mr. President. Thank uh, you, Mr. President. Kim, on, to continue on that line of questioning, So we've seen everything uh, that, have we seen all settlements that are over 10,000?
3: Have you seen all settlements
1: that are over
3: Mm 10,000? Oh, see the the term is illegal in me. The term settlement connotes, uh, at least to me, that uh, there was an agreement for judgment set in place and it was, through the courts. So um, I think you had asked me for a copy of all um, agreements for judgments and what have you uh, months ago.
6: Yeah. So anything since then?
3: Is that what you're asking? Correct.
6: No, no. Okay. So so you gave us everything that uh, everything that you gave us most recently is everything.
3: Absolutely. But I'll be provided to uh, uh, update this council further if you so choose.
6: Yeah, if you could, can you just send us a list of everything like from 2020, to 2021, just so, we have, just so we can see what, what's what been paid out? Yeah, it should be, I mean, I don't want to make it complicated for you. Of course, I'll do that.
3: But okay. it should be, that information, it, it's my understanding that that's already provided to you in the monthly updates that uh, Director Nunley, Benjamin, sends out. Yeah. So you would be
6: able to see all that. But yes, if, I will if you break could, it I'd down appreciate to you separately. The reports that we get, which are, which are sure. great reports, uh, but there... It's like, this like This is about five hundred pages, and it's uh it's I not understand. easy to get to the data. So, if, of course, if you if I can make that part of the committee report, Mr. President, I greatly. Appreciate it. As far as the uh, consultants, have you used any consultants with the other than KP Law the past uh, year? I have, yes. Do you know how, how much we spent with them? Uh, what line item? I they don't recall. It,
3: it may have been the right before the end of the previous fiscal year. It was um, Peabody and Arnold. Peabody okay. Mm-hmm.
6: and Okay. What do we use them for?
3: Um, various claims. They're actually covering one presently. Um, all court matters. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can
6: provide you with a better update. I, um, I don't know the figures with me. If, if you could, if you could provide us with that, I'd really appreciate that as well. And I, and I would agree with my colleagues as well. With the I, I definitely would like to see um you know additional staffing you know when i look at or a you know, quick review of the kp law numbers i mean it seems like we're paying and i think we are paying more money to kp law than we're paying you and you know i would i would much rather see that money spent with full-time employees that are right here in the office here in medford and familiar with everything that goes on in this with this city i know like my colleagues mentioned previously are all the issues that we have dealt with. Throughout the, um, the year with you know different ordinances and whatnot, it seems like you know you, you get a different attorney for whatever you're working on. And to me, it, it's hard to build a bond with people when you're getting it kind of like an attorney of the day. So you know, I would definitely like to see additional staffing in your office. I would support that uh, wholeheartedly. Well, um, that's what you have me for. <laughs> well, no, we have you. But I, I, I mean, the way I look at it, I would rather have you know a fully staffed. Uh, city solicitor, assistant city solicitor, maybe Can two city, city solicitor. so that's what I'd like to see. That that i like to see full-time employees. I know there's plenty of work to do, but I would like to see um, a fully staffed city solicitor's office. I think that's, to me, that, that's what I'd like to see. But, like, that's and that's, it, and that's taking nothing away from you. I know you do a great job. I know you're working hard. Um, you know, I, I call you five o'clock on Friday. You're still here in the office. And even in City Hall is closed out, you know, closed five hours earlier. So, I um, can't thank you enough.
5: Like ethically, if we cloned you, we'd still have to pay you three times. So, um,
6: at this point, I have no further questions.
1: Uh, thank you. Any further questions on uh, ordinary expenses? Okay. Here's the president, Council Max. Uh, I I forgot to ask Kim. The uh, the claims include uh, school claims and settlements as well, correct?
3: Ultimately, um, they have in the past, yes. Um, I'll be frank with you. It, it, if the school department doesn't pick it up, it's generally my office that does, yes. Okay. With respect to claims.
1: So, do we know, do we have a figure uh, on the number of claims that have been settled on the school side? If there are any outstanding claims that you're working on?
3: Not off, off the top any? of my head. there are. Uh, Claims that are currently in litigation right now.
1: Okay. And the school side has their own attorney as well. Um, Does he work on these claims in conjunction with you or are these something that are strictly handled by your office?
3: Um, Attorney Greenspan assists with documentation and the like, but generally it's my office because ultimately it's the city of Medford that's essentially named as a defendant. Right. And And I represent the city of Medford.
1: Correct, so so to date, uh, are we able to see, if I asked you to run a report and find out what settlements have been on the school side as opposed to the municipal side, and are we able to see that? For instance, if your budget's 100,000, what percent of that has been settled for school settlements? Do we, Do we? is that something that's easy, easily obtained?
3: I suppose I would have to be cross-reference that. Um, I'll work with the finance director on that because I, I wouldn't have the amount if it was paid by the school department. I wouldn't necessarily have that amount because it wouldn't have been taken out of my budget.
1: Okay. So the school command has a settlement within their budget. I don't ever remember seeing that, but I I may be mistaken. And I know we have them next, and that may be a great question for them, but I don't ever remember seeing (laughs) any any type of law claims in their budget. uh, (laughs) Uh, Other than Mr. Greenspan's salary and whatever other associated expenses. So I'd, I'd be interested to find out, um, you know, and uh, if a claim originates from the school side, are you saying all claims eventually make it their way to the law office on the municipal side?
3: Well, all claims are generally filed against the city of Medford. Regardless of whether or not it's a school department, it would still come under my office, it's within my jurisdiction. So
1: ultimately you'd see everything? Yes. Okay. OK, if, if we can make that part of the committee report, Mr. President, maybe if we can look at a couple of years, if, if it's able if you're able to go back a few years to see, Mr. President, the claims settled on the municipal side compared to the claims settled on the uh, school department side over the past, uh, just say, two years. You hear that, Mr. Clerk?
2: I'm, I'm working on typing it now. Okay. Well, do we have any, uh, any further questions? on ordinary expenses. Okay. Uh, so the total expenditures for the law department again is $477,285, an increase of 13.1%. I'm just for the question, Mr. Clerk. Clerk, uh, do you have a uh, council marches motion?
0: Uh, it was a request for the committee report. Does he want it as a motion, or does he want it as a request to go to, to, to be a question to go to the administration? Um,
1: I, I guess we're working on committee reports. Over. Yeah, committee, committee report. reports fine with me.
0: Okay, as long as we get it. I have I have one motion that I that I've typed up that's 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 ready for you whenever you choose to take it. It was Vice President Knight's motion for the reduction in the contracted legal services. But that can you can take that up whenever you want. But that's the only motion I have. Everything else I have in the committee report is a request for the committee report.
2: Right, vote that now? You want to that now? Okay. okay, so on the motion uh, by Vice President Knight, second and by second. Council Falco. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. Okay. All those opposed? Motion passes. Kim, thank you very much for your service.
3: Thank you, Mr. President, okay. the City Council. All right.
6: it's okay to be awesome right good how's everything going all right
2: Like well. <laughs> hey, I, uh, I apologize for the late start. Um, we had some uh, legal issues we had, we had to take care of first. Again, uh, again, I apologize for the delayed start. Uh, Madam Chair, if you want to introduce the staff, we're with you tonight.
10: Good evening, everyone. Good evening, honorable body. Uh, We are happy to be here this evening to present the Medford Public Schools proposed budget. With me this evening, I have my wonderful dream team. Um, Sitting to my right is our Assistant Superintendent of Finance and Operations, Mr. David Murphy. Um, Also right next to Mr. Murphy is my Assistant Superintendent of Elementary Schools, Ms. Suzanne Galussi next to, it's a great day to be a Mustang, assistant superintendent, Dr. Peter Cushing, um, assistant superintendent of secondary schools, and Michelle, Miss Michelle Kingdon, who is our comptroller on the school side.
9: Okay, thank you. Mr. President. Thank you, team Scott Pelley, uh, If I can, uh, I just like to take this time right now, just to disclose that my sister is an employee with the school department, and I would be stepping away when uh, when it comes time to talk about the elementary uh, budget.
1: Okay, any that other disclosures? Can... Okay. President. Councilman. If I could, uh, my uh, daughter was uh, employed as um, a, a substitute within the school system. Okay, okay. Um,
2: Thank you. Any, any other questions? before we move on? Okay. A couple of days, did you had you your hand up. Madam Secretary, if, if you want to give us uh, your overview. Yes. We'll go, we'll go from there.
10: Thank you. Um, so this evening we are going to present to you our proposed fiscal year 22 budget for the Medford public schools. Um, I want to share with your honorable body that this budget, uh, the two binders which um, you received last week, um, are a reflection of a lot of hard work on behalf of all of our administrators, our principals, department heads, um, the entire team, central office team, to really think about the strategic priorities of the district. And so it was truly a thoughtful process. Um, we had approximately eight, um, seven formal Committee of the Whole meetings <coughs> um, to discuss the budget, in small uh, chunks, I would say. And so what is before you this evening is really a lot of work, um, but truly detailing what our strategic priorities are. And um, I want to just publicly thank Mr. Murphy and Ms. Kingdon for their um, tireless work on um, really trying to present a professional quality um, uh, budget to you this evening, which is, you know, fully detailed. So I do look forward, uh, or we both look forward to responding to your questions and um, answering, providing any clarification that may be needed regarding this budget process. I thank you.
2: Okay. Mr. Um, you want to give your uh, overview? I just will echo the superintendent's
11: comments. Uh, to thank Ms. team and the rest of the staff as well as uh, all the various stakeholders, including the school committee who uh, contributed their input in the development of the proposals before you. Just from a process perspective, um, there is, uh, I, what I um, have gathered is a distinction between this budget and some of the proposals that have come before you in years past. Um, at the uh, in, Along the way of the process that the superintendent described in the, the several uh, public meetings in which the proposals were discussed, um, On the school committee side, uh, that um, on June 1st, we held the statutorily required uh, public hearing and the school committee uh, voted to send a request to the municipal government, uh, as described in my memo to you in in your budget appendix. Uh, That request was for approximately $68.2 million. Uh, As the superintendent and I and uh, others discussed throughout the course of the budget process, the school administration understands our responsibility both to assess the needs and priorities of the district and put forth to the school committee an authentic assessment of those needs that's what led uh, to their uh, budget request we also have a uh, concurrent responsibility to prepare uh, all possible contingencies um, so that we're able to operate the district uh, based on the appropriation that is made and as uh, communicated to you in the documents uh, that you received the approximately 67.4 billion dollar recommendation uh, that uh, is before you is a, a sound and prudent investment in the Metro public schools Uh, And it is a a budget in which um, we are comfortable that we are prepared to operate the district with uh, on behalf of students and to move our educational agenda forward. So um, I I know that having two numbers publicly discussed um, is, uh, as I understand it, uh, slightly different than the the process that has has played out before. Um, But we felt as though this uh, both gave us the opportunity for a very transparent public deliberation over our budgetary priorities and also, um, I hope, a, a demonstration of our uh, understanding of the need to operate within um, the, the financial constraints that Medford and every other municipality uh, municipality has, uh, and hopefully uh, be good stewards, good uh, fiscal stewards of taxpayer dollars. And uh, with that, we're more than happy to answer any questions you might have with regard to the budgetary uh, proposals before you.
2: council Bass.
5: Thank you, Mr. President. Um, and I want to begin by thanking you, Superintendent Edward Vincent, and Mr. Murphy, and your whole uh, leadership team our educators, staff, students, families, and our school committee for the intensive work and efforts uh, you put in over the past 18 months, which I think we could probably all agree is the most difficult period for public education and for our society at large in any of our lifetimes. Um, I think we've seen how much work you put in under extreme circumstances, and in my opinion, incredibly restricted budget conditions. And I'm encouraged by the significant increase in the uh, school budget from fiscal 21 that Looks like it avoids cuts and restores uh, many of the services and positions lost during the very difficult budget last year. Um, I do have a few questions. Uh, My first question is, does this budget restore all cuts in positions and services made in fiscal 21?
11: I would say it um, restores all uh, positions, uh, services, and programs that we believe are in the interests of the district uh, as compared to what uh, existed in FY. That would have been FY20. So um, there are examples of things that were um, eliminated uh, that um, as we went through this budgetary process and internal deliberations to identify how we were going to advance our strategic um, priorities, that determinations were made internally that either um, we did not think it was in the best interest of the district and the community to, to restore something, or in some cases, not in the interest of the district or the community to restore it in FY22 there's not a lot of examples of that, frankly, they're they're very limited. Um, But it would be inaccurate to say that everything is identical to what it was in FY20. Um, And I would, I guess the last thing I'll say really quickly is just that uh, even if it were not for uh, some of the cuts that took place going from FY20 into FY21, as an administration, we would have a responsibility to continuously be scrutinizing all expenditures to determine whether or not it makes sense from an educational perspective to continue moving forward. So it's hard to say the sort of three budgets that we're talking about in this question, what would or would not be there had the sort of situation not played out the way that it did in FY21. Um, but I have to say, <coughs> in the beginning, we
5: we're very comfortable that um, the investments that are represented in this budget are the ones that are best for Method students. In terms of a FTE equivalent, is this, you know, are we still below the fiscal 20 or? No. Okay. Great. We are, we
11: are, we are. Uh, I mean, I think it's an 8.22% representation of um, overall uh, budget increase and a um, 6.57, I believe, uh, increase with respect to uh, personnel. And when you factor in uh, the fact that there's a lot of this compensation increases that are not represented here because we have nine expiring court of bargaining agreements um, that is representative of, uh, I think a prudent but significant increase in the headcount.
5: All right. Now, we, I, you know, A, I just want to say I appreciate the documentation here. I appreciate just the months of meetings that you went through. Um, I watched some of them. I didn't watch all of them. Um, They're on tape. Before. <laughs> no, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm aware. They're, they are available. <laughs> um, just for, for clarity's sake. Um, and again, I, I really appreciate that there was this focus on what do we need? What are some long-term goals? How are we trying to get from where we are to where we need to be in a really explicit way? Um, but I do think it created a little bit, um, just a clarification. So what is the budget number that the school committee voted on and sent to the administration uh, versus the number that we received? It's, it's $68.2
11: million and change and is the request, the original request, the June 1st, 2021 request uh, from the school committee to the municipal government. The mayor's recommendation, that is before you. Uh, as part of the normal municipal budgeting process, it's 67.4, so it's about a $760,000 delta between those two numbers. Um, Important to point out, as I'm sure the the council is aware, that the ESSER funding that's coming in as a result of the federal uh, COVID-19 mitigation legislation has provided a significant influx of federal dollars that are earmarked for the school department. That is a significant amount of money stretched out over a period of time, and so it's not to suggest that um, we have a surplus of funding that we don't know what to do with. That's certainly not the case, Um, but the funding coming in through ESSER does um, uh, more than make up for that that difference between the school committee's uh, request and um, the recommendation. That being said, um, like every department before you, there's a host of strategic priorities that if the money were infinite so would our our priorities would be as well but um those are the two numbers the 68.2
5: and the 67.4 okay um do you did you get a justification or an explanation from the mayor's office as to why the 67.4 number was the recommended number instead of the 68.2 sure um
11: we are in continuous communication um my office and uh Ms. Nunley's office uh we have a standing meeting on a a weekly it's a it's technically it's a bi-weekly basis but it's always it always turns out to uh to be weekly so um we were uh i would say fully informed with respect to the potential um boundaries in which the budget would likely operate the variable um that the mayor's office was was very clear on that they were looking for clarity and i'm sure it's been discussed in this forum as well is the ARPA funding and what restrictions would be placed on that And if they were, if it was so restrictive, then obviously that delta would have been significantly greater. Um, As it happens, the restrictions are such that while the money has to be managed in a a particular way, essentially the $3.7 million is being earmarked from the ARPA funding uh, to replenish the school uh, funding, which is uh, why the gap was as narrow as it was. So I I think um, it is not, it was what I would say is um, we certainly were not, it was not communicated to us that. Uh, the recommendation from the mayor's office would somehow uh, was meant to eliminate specific funding uh, priorities or line items, which, as I'm sure you know, uh, would be inconsistent with Massachusetts law because ultimately it's the school committee that can only determine the specific line items. So I would just say that the communication was continuous, a constructive dialogue. I would say that the normal amount of tension between the school department and municipal government, that is true in every city and town uh, in Massachusetts. And, um, you know, we were answer <laughs> up to the school department to, to essentially put forth a revised budget that accounts for that um, discrepancy
5: yeah thank you for that uh, explanation i'm going to do esser then go Arpa. um so on the esser funds my understanding is that that a, that a pool of money can only be appropriated and expended by the school committee is that correct that's correct yes. and so um in this case uh, my understanding from the various documents i believe actually in the mayor's budget statement is that functionally to make up that seven hundred sixty thousand dollar differential the school committee will be asked to use esser funds or or how is that it just seems a little bit kind of beta complete there you yeah. know um, there is this gap we know the essers there the city doesn't have the ability to appropriate it it just seems like they're kind of in the school committee's hand a little bit so i just wonder if you could
11: yeah that's a good question council bears and i um, I think it's an important point that it will, this is a, a good sort of foreshadowing for the school committee meeting that will, will take place tomorrow evening, and which, um, in addition to uh, some of the procedural matters with regard to the budget, um, we'll be presenting essentially a list of ESSER-based priorities for FY22. And um, and I and I please don't hesitate to push back or ask additional questions, because I know that this is the stuff that we're dealing with on an hourly basis, and I it can sort of um, uh, it, can, it can sort of feel as though it's secondhand uh, to, to everyone. And I know that's, that's not the case, but, so we had the $760,000 uh, Delta between the school committee's initial request on June 1st and the mayor's recommendation to you. The ESSER funding, and it's, it's coming through two funding sources, which we refer to as ESSER two and ESSER three, amount to $7.6 million. Obviously that's well in excess of the $760,000. So if the school committee so chose, uh, it could take $760,000 and direct the school administration uh, to expend the 760 for the exact line items that were initially presented on June 1st. That, as was communicated to the school committee uh, well in advance, uh, both uh, in, in writing and in our, our update to them on June 14th, will not be the school administration's recommendation. And the reason for that is uh, in a 676468 whatever the case may be, million-dollar budget, there is a constant effort to be scrubbing that budget and identifying as different variables change, priorities can potentially change. So for instance, when you uh, propose the $68 million budget, you can be earlier in the hiring season, the educator hiring season. Of course, educators hiring season works on a particular cycle corresponding with the academic year. And now that we are in June, as we anticipated when these numbers were first being developed in April, it is not the case that we would recommend the exact same set of priorities. And so of the $760,000 Delta, there's approximately a $520,000 amount that the school administration would no longer recommend uh, to the school committee that we pursue, whether we're using operating funds or ESSER funding. It's just, it's not the appropriate time for that. And so that sort of backs that number out. And at the same time, throughout the course of the budget process that we discussed earlier, there are a number of strategic priorities whose nexus is so strong with COVID-related expenses that those are priorities that we've sort of always been keeping within their own lane with the understanding that we would be uh, using ESSER funding um, to to, to invest in. And some of those are positions that are uh, designed to provide intensive uh, support or remedial support to students to make sure that the, the disruption to their instruction does not define the rest of their academic careers. And others are your sort of normal one-time expenses making sure we have sufficient PPE for you know whatever is left of the pandemic at that time so the 67.4 while it represents the vast majority of priorities that we've discussed throughout the the, the budgeting process and again we were discussing that, that some of the COVID related priorities concurrently. there is there are some distinctions which have been uh, already communicated to the school committee and we will touch uh, we will touch upon tomorrow evening as well with them so Again, I apologize for the long-winded answer, but these are fairly complicated. This is a complicated budget because typically we have state funding and local funding, and now we have this multitude of sources of money.
4: What information, in. Vice President Knight? So at the end of the day, we have a budget that's before us, and you're asking us for a certain amount of money. How much money is that that you're asking
11: for? $67.4 million. And how
4: come it says, 60, it says 63 here in the budget book?
11: I, I'm happy to speak to that.
5: if you please. As long as I can get back to my question, after. Dr.
4: Uh, Just, uh, you know, we're getting asked for an appropriation. What's the appropriation? I don't, you know what I mean? We can have 17 different wish lists and things that we want, but at the end of the day, we're before the council tonight to ask us to approve a budget, what's that budget? How much money are we looking for? What's the bottom
11: line? That's what I'm trying to get at.
2: So, well, what is what it-
11: Sure. So, in in your budget book, in uh, page after the superintendent's message, Page six essentially in the first section of your budget book, you'll see the numbers broken down. The sixty and I'm I'm uh
2: in the small book or the big book. Uh
11: the big, the big the big white book. one. Uh the sixty seven point four represents what will be used for the Medford Public Schools operating budget. This uh if you look down right below the sixty seven point four number is three point seven million dollars. That's the number that is essentially being earmarked by the city from the ARPA funding which would absent the federal legislation would be, would be unavailable. Okay. And then below that, the 63.7 would, is the, is the budget that would um, be available based on the city's revenues in the chapter 70 funding uh, coming in. And so. That's
5: the th- the appropriation from the general fund.
11: Correct. So it, it is the, and I, I just, from a transparency perspective, I appreciate the, um, the way in which this is, uh, has been laid out in the, the communications that have been clear from Miss from Nunley, and that <laughs> essentially, absent the ARPA funding, um, this would be a very, very different looking budget. There's, there's no question about that. Um, we would be, uh, their, their capacity, I mean, either the capacity issue or priorities issue, however we want to frame that, but 63.7, seven, I believe it's
10: 7.
11: Um, That's the number that is coming from the traditional funding sources, essentially. The 3.7 is essentially coming in from the federal uh, COVID 19 related legislation.
5: Um, Councilor, you?
4: So, so ultimately, at the end of the day, what we really had to talk about is $63.724 million. That other 3.7 million bucks is school committee prerogative that's dedicated funds for the school committee to spend. (coughs) No,
11: and and that's an important distinction. It is the municipality's money to spend. Whether that is uh, in the mayor's office or requires the city council authorization, I have to defer that. I'll defer to the mayor's office on because that's the mayor's office recommendation. But the ARPA funding is different from the ESSER funding, which is earmarked directly to the schools. And where are you using that money? That's the funding that is uh, we're presenting to the school committee uh, tomorrow evening, but was presented alongside all of the operating budgetary priorities throughout the course of. Um, the, the budget process, and so it's uh, there are essentially there are a few different categories of it. And I can, I'm happy to go through them if, if you'd like. But um, well, I, mean, I
4: was I'm just thinking if you're going to get your own school money that you can appropriate as a school committee, why would you go after the the ARPA money first? You know
11: what I mean? It doesn't make much sense. You, but I'll let you. But I mean, it. I think the the well, rationale behind the legislation is that in understanding by the federal government that the schools have incurred a disproportionate level of expense and the disruption to students instruction over the course of the past two years has been, uh, substantial. And so while every municipality will have to make their own decisions with respect to the allocation of the ARPA funding, the ESSER funding is essentially recognizing the school specific expenses that the pandemic has imposed. And
4: how much do you think that's going to be again?
11: Well, the, the uh, Medford, the Medford Public Schools allocation under the ESSER funding is $7.6 million, but that's spread out over four fiscal years.
5: And the, and the ARPA money
11: is the $50 million. Yes. The, the money. That, and that's to the city of Medford to appropriate as the city of Medford sees fit. All right. uh, thank you. All
5: right. Thank you, um, Councillor Knight. Uh, I guess it looks to me. I think that kind of illustrated a part of the point I wanted to make, which is, absent temporary federal stimulus money, essentially, we'd be looking at somewhere going from what, 62 point something to 63.724 from the general fund, which I just did on my calculus, it's about a 2% increase. Um, is that it's accurate? A, It would be a very minimal increase, that's correct. Right, and then it looks like here in the, in the differentiation priorities, the hope was to do elementary school level math literacy and, and instructional coaches intervention specialists but uh, the adjustment is now more focused on making sure there's funding for contract negotiations is that correct that's
11: i i wouldn't characterize it that way Councilor Ferris. to, to be honest i think that with nine expiring collective bargaining agreements of course that that is a, a portion of the budgeting strategy that strategy that we have to take into account um but it's a significant investment in, in positions like reading intervention specialists at the elementary school. We're adding um, four uh, FTEs at the elementary school level. We're adding um, four reading to each, two math intervention uh, specialists, and, and two literacy intervention specialists at the um, at the middle school level, uh, and at least two uh, positions to uh, either uh, ex- expand or grow um, some of our Chapter 74 programming in the in the vocational high school. So. Um, While, well, again, there are nine collective bargaining agreements that are expiring, everyone can do the math with respect to that. Um, most of our budget is and will always be personnel, that's the nature of the school system. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not suggesting that that's not a, a consideration. But I think between the ESSER funding and um, the, the operating budget, this represents a significant investment in the types of personnel that we know will have uh, the most direct and significant impact on, on students.
5: Right. And so I didn't mean to say it starkly on the whole budget. I was just talking about the changes in the ESSER. That's seven hundred sixty thousand differential. Um, and I guess I get to that point without ARPA, we'd be in a tough position a without very our difficult position. Without question. Um, and to that point, these are temporary funds we're not going to have forever. Um, as Councilor Knight, I think, noted there's a lot of city priorities as well as school priorities and 50 million can go pretty quickly. Um, with so much, you know, almost $4 million in the, in the ARPA funds being used for this school budget. Um, and otherwise with a general fund increase being, you know, 2%, which is below the rate of increase in fixed costs. Mm-hmm. How are we, what is the long-term outlook? What are we going to do when ARPA runs out and now we're in this position again? of um, our fixed costs are going up above 2%. The general fund isn't meeting that. We have all these, I think, very essential positions that we're adding through this and we're falling off a cliff in a few years. You know, how, how have we thought about that? It's, a,
11: it's an excellent question. Um, it's one that we will have to continue to scrutinize and reflect on over a long period of time. I'm not, I don't answer it that way in, in any way to evade. It's just, I think that the, this, this council, the school committee and the Medford community should, should know that that is a very challenging question that the district and the community have to grapple with uh, in, in the coming years. And I don't wanna pretend that anyone here has come here tonight with a, um, a magical answer that, that somehow uh, absolves us of that challenge. I will say that uh, we as a leadership team, uh, and, and this is something that the, the, the superintendent and I as, a, as the CFO, I, I particularly appreciate this, we understand our responsibility to be scrutinizing uh, each and every investment on behalf of the community. And if there are programs that don't work or positions that don't exist, um, we, are in a, we are in a process of continu- continual scrutiny with regard to that. And at the same time, having looked at this budget and lived with it over the course of the last year, uh, you should also know that um, there aren't millions of dollars of efficiencies to be identified. It, it, that's also not to say that there aren't zero. And our responsibility is to find them in order to make sure some of these investments that are coming, that are being made possible through ARPA and ESSER can be sustainable. Because we know that, while there may be a greater urgency right now to make these investments because of the impact of COVID-19. We know that the the need is going to outlive the wake of the pandemic by generations. And that's something that this district and every district has to grapple with. the other thing I would say that the, the, I think it's part of the rationale behind the ARPA and the ESSER funding is the idea that revenue will ultimately rebound in some ways. And so we shouldn't assume that any investment that is made using these one-time funds are sort of per se uh, structural deficits, because the idea is revenues will eventually recover and that will offset some of that. Is it going to abs- offset it to the point of 8.22%? No, I, I, that's that's probably unlikely unless we're on the verge of a major economic boom uh, and a realignment of priorities within society. And I don't know that anyone's forecasting that at this time.
5: Well, and, and I, you know, I don't ask it as a gotcha question. I ask it as you know I deeply care about our, our mm-hmm. public schools and maintaining the services for the long term. And I think everyone on this council at this point knows that I think there should be more money than this in our schools. And I think if you're asking on a spectrum of millions to zero inefficiencies, if you read through this, we're talking about cutting the paper budget you know it's not like we're there's not there's not a lot to trim and and I think this district and all of our public school districts and municipal finance as a whole in this commonwealth have been in a very difficult position for many decades um so I you know we're gonna need to again and I'm a broken record on it talk about a plan to raise the revenue to meet our needs at some point um I have a few more questions (laughs) uh three more at least um on the enrollment uh, i i believe desi is using school year 2020 2021 enrollment numbers to calculate chapter 70 and other state funding is that correct
11: they they use it essentially on a three-year cycle so yeah.
5: um
11: yes it, it, it certainly it factors in and, and i think um you know we've certainly seen a, a decline which is one that we have to uh we have to addressed and on to the, to the greatest extent possible. I, the only thing I would say is we're not alone in that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, whether there are potential uh, hold harmless uh, provisions that, that the state will employ because of the sort of widespread nature of the decline of enrollment, I think that's something that we we'd hold out hope for, but it's certainly an issue we have to keep basically very cognizant of.
5: Yeah. And I, you know, when it comes to hold harmless, both on enrollment, and I know that this council advocated strongly for hold harmless on uh, charter school reimbursement and Houseways ways it means budget does reflect that because that million dollars would have been you know there's not a million dollars to cut from this budget as I think we're all very aware um, so I think that's a good sign and, and hopefully that makes it through hopefully something around enrollment makes it through um, do you know how deep the budget impact was by the enrollment decline and do you expect that enrollment will rebound this year
11: I expect it will rebound but whether it rebounds 100% I think is a different is a different question we're seeing enrollment, you know, we're seeing a uh, in, in potential increase, um, but that's, it's not a certainty and obviously you have to compare different points of the year. Um, so I would be surprised if it rebounds to exactly what it was, in the, um, in that previous number. Um, with respect to the, the, I don't have, off, I don't have right now, but certainly something we can look to, into an exact figure as to what the financial implication would be. Um, and I don't know that we actually know that because the budget isn't fully settled yet at the state level. Yeah. So, um, but that's something we can certainly report back
5: to on. yeah, that'd be helpful. Um, when it comes to administrative assistance, I know there were assistant positions cut in fiscal twenty one um, Were specifically those positions restored, not all of them. Um, we are and this I would say this um, obviously there
11: there are uh, you know implications to working with this bargaining unit, but it's something that we've discussed publicly at the school committee, so i'll just I'll share with you as well that um, we are looking internally about. Um, it, in some instances, does it make, case, make sense to go from a one-to-one administrative assistant to administrative ratio to a floater, more of a floater model in which it, uh, one administrative assistant could potentially support um, m- multiple administrators? So that's that's an example. As I said, we have a responsibility to be continuously scrutinizing and determining um, how we can create efficiencies. Um, that's one of the one of the pieces that we've looked at and we've been, we've communicated to that to that parking unit as well. Um, Again, to your point about there isn't a million dollars to be savings, um, shifting a few administrative assistant positions to floaters are not going to yield a million dollars either, as you can imagine. So, um, you know, it, it, there's, it, I, I want to be realistic about the, the magnitude of that efficiency, but it's something that we're taking a look at.
5: Just to drill down um, on that for a second, uh, do the staff who were laid off in the previous fiscal year have a right of return to positions if they're restored? And also, is the executive assistant position still vacant? Um so we have uh
11: essentially two executive assistant positions within the central administration. Um these are non unit administrative assistant positions. Uh one is filled, one is vacant. The one that um, was vacant last year is now filled. The one that was uh, filled is now vacant. Um and one and one that we'll be posting for um soon. And I'm sorry, there was a second question. Just on the on the union side of the office. Oh, it, it varies by bargaining unit, but okay. generally speaking there are um there isn't an active Recall list to the best of my knowledge. There's also been very, I think that's what I would say about that. All
5: right. And I I, I grabbed the executive assistant specifically because I know, I think, superintendent, you're without an executive assistant for some period or down. And I mean, that's a really important position, especially at a time like this. And um, one of ours is filled
11: and one is vacant.
5: I I hope they'll both be filled. (laughs) And and I will just say that the the order was as it should be. I hope they'll both be filled soon. Me too a lot of work to do. Um, I think my last question, and I apologize if I come up with more when you answer, uh, the director of family engagement position has an expanded portfolio, um, but the salary is, you know, I think it could be better, to say the least. Is it higher than it was in the previous year, given the expanded portfolio? It is. You'll recall in the the
11: memo, and the cover memo to the appendix you received that um, I, I referenced some positions that are being funded partly out of revolving funds partly out of the salary. And so the actual uh, compensation for the director of engagement position that you're referencing um, is, and this is not in any way an attempt uh, to obscure this. And again, I, I, I highlighted it in the memo for that specific purpose. Um, that position, because it oversees uh, and the work is, is a strong nexus with the fees generated from a particular revolving account. Um, and for purposes of keeping the operating budget manageable, part of that individual's compensation comes from the evolving account and part of it, and the part that I suspect you're referring to, if it's $47,000 of change, yes. is coming from the operating budget. So that, that
5: represents a little less than 50% of that person's actual salary. All right, great. I, you know, it just seemed... That would be a very sizable portfolio for $47,000. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Um, and it's not a question, it's just a point of note. I believe that the mayor did vote to ask for $68.2 and then provided 67.4 million. And I, I was maybe hoping someone from the administration will be here tonight to ask why that happened the way it happened, but I just wanted to note it uh, for the record. And uh, I'm the say, chair,
8: I would love to answer that question. So that is correct. And the reason why is because we took our total ARPA with the 4.1% growth factor and we took 2% on top of 2% on the general fund, like nothing had happened to give them their general fund number. And then because they had such a large allocation of ESSER, $760,000 is not a big plug to ask for. And usually when you see a school budget, it has offsets, whether it be revolving or grant funds. So um, the assumption was you would have seen it as ARPA, general fund and ESSER, which would have matched the school committee vote at 68.2.
5: Okay, least I really appreciate that. And, um, I didn't realize it was actually a financial process question that that number had been calculated for ARPA after the appropriation for the school committee had been approved. So, thank you.
2: Much welcome.
6: Thank you, Mr. President. And uh, I'd like to thank all of you for being here tonight. Um, I know the budget pr- uh, process can be a lengthy one, and I know you've had <laughs> plenty of meetings. And uh, I thank you for your patience. And uh, thank you for... Um, you know, all your hard work, especially during a difficult school year, actually, last year and a half has been difficult. So, thank you for all your hard work. Um, Dave, thank you for explaining uh, the opera and taking us through um, uh, ESSER as well. So, I have a couple of quick questions. I, I uh, agree with my colleagues, especially with the, um, looking at the budget, especially that year by year breakdown. And, you know, you see the, the plus 8.22%, which is definitely more than it's ever been before percentage wise. And uh, you know it's 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 definitely a number that concerns me. I mean, you know, as a former school committee member, um, I, I remember going through the budget each year, and um, you know, just you know, immediately saying to myself, "Oh my God, that's that's really unsustainable." Mm-hmm. After the after the money dries up, this is a, a really big economic boom, but still, eight point two two percent is a lot. Yes. Um, so when I look at that three point five, that three point one million dollars. Uh, under the salaries? Do you have a breakdown of like the positions that that would make up?
11: Uh, if you just, it, page six. Unless,
6: I'm, unless I missed it, it's, yeah.
11: page six? Beyond um, page six, you're correct. Yes, so the, that line that you're referring to is breaking down um, how the expenses as identified here um, uh, would be broken down within the ARPA allocation alone. So we're talking now about the $3.7 million mm-hmm. that is being used Uh, to keep the the delta between the school committee's request and the mayor's uh, recommendation as narrow as possible, right? And so um, what you're seeing is in in that ARPA breakdown is uh, reflective of the overall operating budget in terms of uh, how much is personnel and how much are ordinary expenses. So it's it's relatively consistent with that. Um, I think the point that uh, of the 8.2% uh, increase the uh, a significant portion being personnel based and the question over sustainability, I think applies, frankly, to the opera allocation as well as to the operating budget. And it is something that um, we have to be very, very mindful of. There are three points that I, and I'll make them briefly um, with respect to uh, why the school administration feels this is necessary and and uh, the first is that um, it is, is the urgency of these investments coming out of the pandemic, that um, it would be uh, perhaps more ideal if we were to look at all of our funding priorities and we were to say, um, we have a large influx of one-time funding. And as it happens, we have a, a large uh, to-do list of one-time expenses that we need to address. That would That would match up well, and it would be more convenient, and we wouldn't have some of the concerns that we all share with respect to structural deficits and sustainability. Uh, But that's not reality. Our reality is that in our schools right now, the most pressing need um, is in the need for personnel to provide direct support to students whose whose instructional experience has been significantly disrupted over the course of the past two years. It may well be, and this would be my second point, that four years from now, when ARPA and ESSER funding has essentially dried up or has expired, uh that all of these investments are not the, we don't need the exact same investments some of these positions may well be temporary um, to the point that council graves made earlier and i think i responded to um, some of them are are that invest- have a greater urgency now but we know we're going to need them uh, down the road but some of them won't and in, so- in some cases um it will have to be a question of do we continue this investment uh by finding other efficiencies or do we say that the immediate need coming out of the pandemic has expired and we don't need everything that we're currently investing. In. And that is a conversation that will have to take place over the next several years. And the last point, the third one just is, as I said earlier, that um, as revenues hopefully rebound, hopefully some of these become, inv- become uh, sustainable investments by being absorbed uh, through the operating budget rather than through either, whether it be ARPA or, or, or ESSER. So those are sort of the three paths, um, two of which lead to these positions, and they're not all positions, but obviously, as you say, a lot of them are, um, some of them, I hope, are there in perpetuity and others, uh, you know, I think we'd have to scrutinize more closely to determine whether the need in FY25 and FY26 uh, is the same as, as what it is, as what we believe it is in FY22. Um, one of the things we'll talk about with the school committee tomorrow is that if you look at the ESSER funding right now, $7.6 million over four fiscal years, it's broken up into two uh, funds, ESSER 2 and ESSER 3 but the total is 7.6, generally with the same restrictions between the two. We look at that as In the first two fiscal years, we have both the immediate urgent need as a result of the disruption caused by the pandemic. And then in the second year, hopefully we have both, well, hopefully we will not have that need, but we have likely that need, plus the data that we will be able to accumulate through the investments that we're making in district-based assessment systems in FY22. And then we'll be able to make even more prudent investments in FY23. After FY23, I think the ESSER funding will likely start to tail off in terms of, or trail off rather. In terms of the personnel expenses, because at that point, we need to start to absorb them into the operating budget or make determinations that the need is not as
6: great as it once was. So do you have, uh, which is a great segue to ESSER. So as far as uh, the ESSER funding goes, $7.6 million over four years. Mm -hmm. So is there a plan as to how much will be allocated for each year?
11: The rough breakdown that we will share with the school committee tomorrow evening over the course of four years would be thirty five percent in each of the two fiscal years, twenty percent in the third fiscal year, and ten percent in the fourth fiscal year. That is very much subject to change it's also subject to the school committee's approval i should I should add as an administrator but um, your is, re-
6: that would be a recommendation <laughs> yeah, right
11: now and again, the reason being that we know that there's this immediate impact now we have almost forty percent of our students who have been out of school for over a year. That's it. And again, um, the term unprecedented, I think obviously has become a little bit of a cliche, but um, it is unprecedented. And even the most experienced educators and educational administrators don't, we can say we do, but we don't really know exactly what those needs are. So we're focusing on social emotional supports. We're focusing on on remedial support. We're making sure that students have the literacy and math foundations that they need in order to gain the rest of the skills and competencies that we want them to have by the time they leave us what we, we really need to do is over the course of fiscal year 22, and this is why in the operating budget, you see our commitment to some district level assessments is to be able to collect that data so we can make determinations in FY23 as to what gaps are still existing, what gaps are more pronounced than they are even by the, when they, from when they get back to school it, with us in August. And how do we continue to start um, making sure that, and again, I know this just sounds like rhetoric, but it's, it's, it's important that these two fiscal years are going to be some of the most critical years um, in any student's education, because it's going to determine whether or not we're able to build back what we had and and move the plot forward for uh, students that have had a very difficult two years. At that point, I think, you know, at some point by fiscal year 24, what we're going to be looking at is not the impact of students, uh, the pandemic on students, as much as we're going to be assessing the impact of our efforts to mitigate that. And I think that's where you'll start to see that shift um, moving away from some of those one-time funds in one way or another absorbing within the
6: operating budget can you talk specifically to um social emotional uh that that component like i remember when i was in the school committee council scott probably and i served at the same time Mm -hmm. and each year we were adding more money to the social emotional piece uh, adjustment counselor stuff like that and uh it just seemed like there was just more and more of a demand and here we are now coming out of covid I think there's probably going to be more of a demand than, than ever before. In, in many ways, it's probably unknown what the impact's going to be, but I think more than ever, we need support there. Can you talk specifically about the supports that will be in place in the upcoming school year? And uh, for anybody that's watching, you know, the budget increases in that, in that area.
10: So I just want to open by saying that it is truly an area of significant concern for us. Um, uh, this week, uh, administrators and teachers, um, teacher leaders, uh, we started professional development today um, on social emotional learning. So it is definitely a priority over the next, uh, for the remainder of this week, we'll be participating um, in continued professional development. Um, it is a high priority for us. We're thinking about how school is going to open, how is it going to launch, how are we going to meet the needs of our students. We're most concerned about the students, again, that have not Um, were remote for the past 15, um, 16 months, how is that transition going to be? So as a district, we're really um, trying to meet their needs. We're going to be having opportunities for students to um, come back on campus, uh, to transition them back to um, coming to school, especially the transitional grades where some students will be um, moving on to different buildings. So um, it's, It's front and center, it's a high priority for us. And um, where we've been thinking strategically about additional staffing, that is definitely one of the areas that we realize um, that's gonna be an area where we're gonna really be able to close gaps as quickly as possible to reestablish some sense of normalcy for our students, knowing that it is going to take more than one year for that to happen. Uh, and so we are looking at staffing, working very closely with Stacey Shulman, um, who's our Director of um, Counseling Services and Behavioral Health, working very closely with Joan Bowen, our Director of People Services, and with all our administrators to um, be able to meet the needs of our students that you know, may present all different um, kinds of uh, potential challenges as we go into the coming year.
11: If I could just add, of the ESSER sure. funding that we'll discuss uh, tomorrow evening, our recommendation is for 905000 of the two, of approximately $2 million, about a little less than half would go toward positions that, as I say, may be, may be temporary, but we know are urgently needed. Of that $900,000, $740,000 are going toward engagement specialists, behavior specialists, and adjustment counselors and social workers, with the understanding being that, uh, again, these are – are good prudent investments that every school district would like to make. There's a uh, necessity now because of the the disruption that students have experienced both academically and socially and emotionally.
6: Great, thank you. And I have a a question. I know uh, every year when I look at the budget, look at the school budget specifically, there's one page that I turn to usually right away. And it's always elementary school class size. For me, that's always been, you know, making sure that that class class size is, is, not too high and we always look for hot spots like uh, anything over 20 students mm-hmm. you know you, you want to always try to keep it to a minimum I didn't see that page in here this year so I was wondering it, unless my maybe my book just didn't contain it is it in the front because because I know page, page nine it's not oh, sorry, sorry I did see this page um, but I it, like it. usually there's a further breakdown so it goes into like okay at the brooks or at the roberts mm-hmm. columbus move you name mm-hmm. it'll say right now there's currently four kindergartens for the brooks yeah three for the columbus you know so sure. usually there's a breakdown page like that i didn't see that in this book and, and is that something that you can surprise with because we
11: can you know, just understand subject to change ab- that.
6: absolutely yeah. and i <laughs> understand that but it's, it's a good indicator to see where we are to me you know class size is always mm-hmm. it's just a big component of elementary education making sure that class sizes aren't too big, making sure that um, you know, teachers have it's not overloaded. With, 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 we definitely with are
10: closely monitoring um, the class size. And right now, as we're going into the summer, uh, you have a lot of people who are moving in. And so once the numbers do get to a certain size, we end up saying if it's too big, then we add an additional classroom. But um, we have to wait until the actual bodies register, and they're, um, they are present. But um, we can definitely get you uh, uh, a better breakdown of class size,
6: if you could, I greatly appreciate it. I think it's always beneficial. And I completely understand it's always subject to change. Because at this point, you never know who's going to move into the district or leave the district during the summer. Uh, but I'd really appreciate a copy. When, you know, if, if you could yeah, uh, if, I can a- make that part of the committee report as well, please, Mr. President
11: i would just say we're happy to provide that also happy to provide updates As it, it, it inevitably it changes most likely it changes one way or another that's certainly something that um when we report to the school committee we can be sure that that the council's made aware of that i i'll just say that you know this is a conversation that uh Miss is having with her staff on a daily basis and um you know uh i know there are some hot spots uh, that we're keeping a very very close eye on um there's nothing that would constitute sort of at least at this point, I'll knock on what as I say, this is supposed to probably not be thrilled to up that. There's no crisis that sort of, we know is on the Let's horizon right road. now, uh, but uh, yeah, certainly there are a few areas that we're, we're keeping a very, very close eye on. Okay. Great.
6: Uh, thank you
11: for your concern with respect to that.
6: Oh, no worries, thank you. Um, and I appreciate you uh, keeping an eye on that and, and thank you. If, if you can get us a copy of that report, I greatly sure. appreciate it. And last but not least, I, I received uh, numerous calls from, parents with regard to dyslexia and I wondering well, if you could talk to us about um i guess maybe the district strategy with regard to dyslexia uh training for teachers um uh, you know maybe money that's been put aside for professional mm-hmm. development you could just talk to, to about dyslexia what we're doing as a district and um you know d- d- if you could just tell us about what, what the plan is i guess for sure. doing so
10: well, it is officially in our strategic plan. I um, should have had it opened. Uh, we are addressing uh, dyslexia head on. Um, it is a priority for the district. It has, um, you know, we have addressed it many times in addition to assessments. And um, I, I'm gonna yield, remember, Ms. Galusi, you wanna come and give some specific details, please? Thank you. I'm gonna pull it up.
12: Good evening. Thank you. Um, So the superintendent is correct. We have a district literacy team that is in the process right now of unpacking those dyslexia guidelines that Jesse put out um, so that we can move forward with Medford's plan. Some of the things that we've done in the the meantime is this year we are still partnered with um, literacy. So it is a Um, professional development organization that comes in and they are working with all of our K-2 to staff and people that work with students in the field of literacy. They came in just this year um, in May and they went to every elementary school at those grade levels for hands-on training because we're bringing in a program to work on the foundational skills of our early readers and that program is called ECRI. Um, that is the training that Hill for Literacy is providing. We are continuing that partnership with them next year, and they will be coming on a monthly basis to continue working with the staff um, on this program for our students, our early readers. Um, In addition, you heard Mr. Murphy speak about the additional reading interventionists that we're going to bring on so that we are targeting those skills and flooding the literacy block with as many hands as possible.
11: It also represents about $125,000 uh, investment in the, e- in the ELA department. That's not 100% of uh, the, the ECRI uh, training that Ms. Lucy uh, spoke to, but the majority of it, I believe 80 or 90,000 is in reference to that. So it's, it's a, I, 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 I said it quickly because I'm not exactly sure the number, but it's, it's a sizable portion of the $125,000 investment that you'll see in your budget book as, as an increase in the
6: humanities budget. Okay. And you uh, mentioned uh, reading intervention, I believe, right? Yes. Is that those um, at each elementary school? One per elementary school representing
11: a $260,000 ESSER-based investment. And a very good example, frankly, to go to our earlier discussion about uh, there will be a need to scrutinize over the course of the coming years how we make those positions sustainable. No one is under the impression that reading intervention will only be important in the wake of the pandemic uh, and it will be incumbent upon the district to identify efficiencies to make that sustainable uh, or other variables will need to change in order to make sure that we're able to continue to make that investment
12: okay Um, the last piece i'll just say is that for the past two years we've been doing a pilot of early literacy screening tool like an assessment tool for our early learners and we are finalizing this summer um, so that which tool we're going to utilize moving forward. So that will be part um, of the assessment in the early fall. Okay, great. Yep. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.
6: And at this time, that's all the questions I have at this time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you